Amen. Thanks, JD. Good to see you recovered here too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm laboring a little bit with my yeah. chest. Yeah, I had. It sounded, I heard a little bit in your voice, but you sounded really good. So hopefully okay. you're feeling coming back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that was actually I just read the Hungry Heart this morning that the opening little paragraph there. Yeah, it says affliction provides opportunity for us to learn more of our Father in His mercy, as well as providing a deeper understanding of what others may be called upon to go through. So that was kind of in my mind as you were praying this morning, um, and it, and it sort of fits in with some of what I was going to talk about this morning, and um, so um, yeah, so we're we're finishing off. Uh, lesson 34 this morning. Um, I, I kind of had one question left that we didn't uh, cover, but um, I, I also wanted to kind of back up a little bit this morning and and just um, string together some of the things we, we looked at last week, um, maybe in a little bit more of a, a coherent sort of order. I don't know. I, <laughs> sometimes when I'm when I'm you know preparing or thinking things through and then teaching things, I sort of afterwards think did that fit together did that did all that string together into so I wanted to kind of back up and and review a little bit um this lesson 34 is or this section of the book is about the preparation of the Holy Spirit and that's why it ties into that that comment from the the, the hungry heart there and um but um you know we like we're talking about the preparation of the Holy Spirit for for ministry and um I think it's I think we all know this, but it's important to just remember that ministry is not not a profession or not a a career choice, you know. Um, but you know, how often is ministry thought of that way? You know, um, certainly in the church at large, that's a pretty common um, conception of what ministry is. That you know, it's either a professional thing or or it's your it's your church hat kind of a thing. You know, I put on my ministry hat and I go do ministry. Um, but I think we we want to have our thinking um, uh, more more aligned to scripture in regards to ministry, and that ministry, um, you know, is, is fundamentally the work of the Holy Spirit uh, through individual members of the body of Christ to other uh, members of the body of Christ. Um, it's not it's not my you know. My doing, my my duty, my um, you know, my my job. It's it's his work through us. Um, and and along those lines, since since ministry is is spiritual work, you know, how does a, a person prepare for it, or do we? Um, is that is that kind of um? Makes sense. I, I guess you know. I you know, I have the question here. Does, does it really make sense to you know to get a a sort of a technical or academic education um, in order to be fit, to be prepared for for ministry? I'm so sorry. I did not realize I was off mute. <laughs> um, I was. I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking about that question. I was like, man, that is a big question. And then I just started hacking it up. Um, so sorry. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. So, um, well, and, and there's other things that go into that kind of conversation as well. Like, are you called to ministry? Um, and, and what's, what, and you think about like preparations for it. Goodness. Um, 
that's a, I don't know if Brian or Ralph, Janet, any of you, Cheryl, anyone else have thoughts around what it, what's the role of the Holy Spirit in preparation for ministry along those lines? I think for us, it was just, um, first of all, I think it has very much to do with your walk with the Lord, right? Uh, Is formal education necessary? Absolutely not. Uh, We know that, biblically speaking, formal education is not necessary. The world would tell us quite different. And I think there's a lot of flattery and and, and, um, self uh, pride that goes into the educational aspect of ministry. Um, when I, I, I started out with the desire to move into that phase of my life, I was like, you know, I'm going to go find an online institution that would help me learn. And I ended up at Tyndale Theological Seminary, uh, which is where Vern was at. Um, and then, uh, Jeremy and Jeremy Thomas and those, the, that crew. And we've talked about that some in the past, but, um, there's, what's that? Cheryl? No, I, I didn't know Jeremy was at Tyndale, but. Yeah, Jeremy was at Tyndale as well. Um, let's see, uh, Randy was there. I actually met Randy at a, at a trip going to, we were, it was a study in the book of Revelation and it was held by Tyndale and we had all gone up to, to hear this conference around that and, Lo and behold, there was Randy Peterman. It was the first time we ever met. We didn't know it until I showed up at Hills years later. But we had we had ridden in the same car and knew knew <laughs> the same folks. Kind of funny story. Anyway, so, sorry about that, Miles. But that's good. You know, I, as I think about there, there's definitely a wonderful thing about studying academically. The question is, um, is it personal to you? And in the, in the in the sense that are you is the Holy Spirit in the process of introducing you to a person that you are going to minister about and be an ambassador for? Or is it simply a, a list of, of conversations that you plan to have about someone that you don't, may not be quite acquainted with? Mm-hmm. So there, there, there can be positive experiences through ministry and, and the training needed for that, but oftentimes it leads to a, a head knowledge, um, and uh, you, you end up m- more concerned with the books you're reading um, and the passages that you can kind of pull from in terms of other people's thought, and that that loses sight of. I, I think the the entire point of ministry is to to represent someone that you know, and that's a stark contrast to what most are learning these days. Sorry. Yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate that. It's, it's your, um, you're tracking right along lines of what I was th- thinking about in, in preparing for this. Um, it's, um, you know, I, I mentioned last week how, you know, I've done this in my own life where I've studied academically. Um, n- you know, not out of a wrong, necessarily really a wrong motive, but I'd, I'd say there's a genuine desire to, um, to know more, to understand more, um, you know, but, um, but just the learning alone, um, I've seen it in my own life turn into, um, 
you know, more of a problem than, uh, than, uh, than an asset, if you want to call it, you know, think of it that way. But, um, and, and I've definitely seen that, um, in the lives of other believers, you know, very much engrossed in academic study of the word. Um, but, but no, uh, no real ministry in terms of the Holy Spirit's work out, out through their lives. Um, you know, I, I, um, so what you were, what you were saying there, JD fits right in with what I had kind of jotted down here. Um, you know, it's, it's not that, it's not that, you know, an, an academic education is, is a wrong thing. And, and Rido talks about that, you know, he says, um, uh, how did he see it here? But that, uh, you know, we should, we should covet is the word he uses. We should covet to know more and more. Um, but, and, and that the Lord, um, can, can use these things, but this is not, um, necessarily the Holy Spirit's preparation for, for ministry. So the way I, I put it down here is I said that, um, well, I asked the question, how does the Holy, if it's not an, if it's not an academic institution that prepares us for ministry, and we say that it's um, the Holy Spirit who prepares us. Well, we need to ask the question, how does the Holy Spirit uh, himself prepare us for service? And I, I put down two points that, that kind of are in my mind. The first is that he works uh, through convicting us of the objective truth of, the, of his word. And and that that is something that... Um, you know, we can we can gain some of that through, you know, through some of these academic pursuits, I guess. You know, we can we can gain some of that objective knowledge of the word. But the second point that I, I wrote down here is that he orchestrates the circumstances of our lives that produce in, in us a need and a hunger to depend on those objective truths in our day to day walk. Um, I and I was going to ask. What, I was going to say that that word hunger is is a really interesting word. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that because uh, we're talking about how to determine whether or not ministry is by the Spirit of God. Am I right? That's where we're at with question number three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think you're right. I mean, I, I think of this not just in the life of those who are you know, the Lord would have them minister or uh, be an ambassador or be a representative. Um, I, I think of it in terms of all of us, like we all minister. Um, you know, we're going to have opportunities ahead of us tomorrow to do that. Each and every one of us in different ways, some at deeper levels and, and more challenging levels. And some of us are just going to be, you know, talking to our children or, um, you know, so, Ministry, by definition, is of the Spirit of God. And if it's not, then you're just not walking with the Lord. It's, it, it, it falls short of having that ability to pierce joint and marrow, right? And, and impact a believer, those that we're, we're spending time with in that way. Um, we, we, I kind of think of it as just falls short. If I'm, if I'm not walking with the Lord, um, if I don't see the opportunity as, and, and sometimes it's hard because you think about ministering to others around us and you, you do look for hungry hearts. Um, you, you regularly think about, is this 
person hungry or are they groping kind of in their sin nature? Um, and, and if so, then there's a different kind of ministry that's needed for that, right? Um, for those that are, that you know that are, are, that you perceive that are walking with the Lord, you, and they're hungry for ministry in a certain case, a situation in their life, then, you know, at that point, you know that you've got, you've got a whole larger breadth of scripture available to you to guide and help them think through. But when you do have that hungry heart and you can come alongside and walk with them through those, uh, those situations, because ministry always has a focus. Um, it's always back to the Lord, but it also has a, a need. Um, and there's a perspective of what are the needs here? And, you know, are they hungry? And, as you think about, those are the kinds of things the spirit does, right? This isn't a technical mm-hmm. prescription academic thing. It is a, an awareness of your family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fellow believers. So I don't know if that answers your question specifically, but I, I did want to kind of mm-hmm. harp on the hunger side of things for a so mm-hmm. second there. Yeah, that's good. I, I really appreciate that because the reason that I kind of wanted to bring that out is because you know, can it, can an academic um, education give you that? Can that can it develop that in you? You know, I think that that's, all, that's something only the Holy Spirit can do. That's a work that only He can do in your life. And I guess what we're getting at here is the fact that all ministry, and I like the way Rideout says that. I was going to mention this, but he on page one eighty of the print book, he says, um, you know, I've been speaking of ministry. Or, uh, or what is ordinarily understood by the term ministry, but he says ministry includes all true service. Ministry includes all true service. I think it's a really um, careful and accurate choice of words that he uh, put together there. Um, and so, like you said, J.D., that's all of us in the body of Christ, in, in all of the interactions um, with the body of Christ. And and like he goes on to say at the end of the chapter here in in evangelism. So even there's a there's a ministry. That's that's the kind of the branch of ministry, if you want to think of it that way, but that, that reaches outside the church to to draw people in. Um, but but um, but but it's you know um, for all the learning that we could do uh, of Scripture, if the Holy Spirit is not developing in you the, the need and, and the hunger um, for that, um, it, it becomes um, really a very useless. Um, bunch of and, and and JD, you used the, the term head knowledge, and I actually wanted to touch on that because I what I what I'm, I put down here in my notes, I said, are we talking here about what's what's generally? Uh, you, well, you hear often the phrase, you know, head knowledge and heart knowledge, and, and is that is that what we're talking about? I I understand what people mean when they use that um, that kind of distinction um, of terms, you know, but. I think the thing is that, you know, the way I've often heard it used um, is that, you know, heart knowledge means that you're, you're feel now you're feeling it to be true. You know, you knew it to be true, but now you feel it to be true. And I, I have a, a, a problem with that because, you know, our feelings, um, are, well, we could ask the question, are our feelings a more sure basis for knowing truth than God's written word? You know, and I'd say absolutely not. I mean, we've got the, the, uh, Holly Hills has got the, uh, you know, train on the tracks phrase, right? You know, um, it's like a train, like a train on the tracks, the feelings follow. 
We should never be following our feelings. And so, you know, just because we have an experience of something in our lives and, um, and we have feelings about it, that doesn't make the truth of God's word, um, more, more certain or more sure. But so we're not talking about, you know, learning something academically, learning head knowledge and then, and then learning it in our heart. But I think, um, or, or learning it through our feelings. That's not what we're talking about, but I, but what I want to, um, what I want to kind of, the way I want to look at it is that, you know, God, God simply shows us an objective truth in his word, and then he shows us how that applies to our specific circumstances in our, in our walk. But the authority is still the basis of, of on the basis of his written word, that he's revealed it as, as true. Does anyone have a thought or comment on that? Is that is that too abstract? Does that make sense? Um, it does make sense. Yeah, totally. Okay, okay, that's good because I I, I want to be clear in that when we talk about when we're kind of talking down or I'm sort of you know talking down just just you know Bible study in a in a kind of cold and and calculated sense. Um, I'm not advocating for a, a mystical feelings-based um, sort of Bible study. The Word of God is authoritative, and we should seek to understand it um, as as clearly and accurately as possible, um, as as Rido says, even in the original languages. You know, I mean, we're going to be this Tuesday starting with a group of young young people here. Uh, I mentioned this in the past, but we're going to be I'm going to start teaching them, you know, some basic Greek and some basic Bible study skills. And we're going to be doing some of this academic stuff. So as I sit here and and kind of talk about this, it's not that we oppose, um, you know, excellent Bible study, but that we understand that that on its own is, is insufficient to prepare a person for ministry. Um, it is needed. It's needed to understand the word of God. But like Rideout says, you know, he says, the, 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 he calls them, he talks about the blue collar worker. Everyone kind of read that, recognized that. He says, he says the, the, um, or is that, is that what he calls him? Something along those lines anyway. But, um, he calls him the, the ignorant and unlearned man. Um, I believe. Yeah. Unlearned and ignorant man. Uh, how often has the humble blue collar worker a deeper and broader knowledge of the divine truth, um, than the learned professor? And, um, you know, he says, do not be afraid of that ardent young evangelist. Um, who knows one thing. And I talked about that last week. You know, the one thing is Christ and Christ crucified. You know, um, yeah, surely we should study to, to know more and more of God's word. You know, it's revealed to us for a purpose. But, um, but at the, at the same time, you know, if we don't have, uh, the Holy Spirit working, working through us to, to prepare us and to use us, then it's, it, it becomes very, very pointless. So uh, hopefully that that um, kind of point is clear. But as we're talking about the, the circumstances of life um, that 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 do this this kind of that the Holy Spirit uses to to prepare us to develop this hunger, you know, what kind of circumstances primarily are we talking about? And and I think it's mainly through trials. I think it's mainly through trials and sufferings. And and I just wanted to ask the question: Why is that? Why would that be that it would be Primarily through through trials and suffering. It's okay if it doesn't come readily to mind. I I have been listening through uh, Hal's study on trials and sufferings um, from from a number of years ago here. So 
Um, it's part of the reason why this was quite present in my mind. Um, but um, this is this here. This statement is, is borrowing pretty heavily from from Hal in this. But he says um, so that we would, in answer to that question, why why would the why is the Holy Spirit using trials and sufferings? Is so that we would reckon ourselves dead, and that the life of Christ would be lived out through us. Um, you know, if if we were being um, uh, if if well here yeah if if we're being prepared for service um you know is there is there any service that you or I could offer that would be of of any value does that make sense i should i should try to clarify that a little bit if if we're to be serving in the body of christ is there anything that i have to offer out of out of self out of out of me that is of any value to the body of Christ. There really isn't, right? Not, not in me, and, that, and that's why I have to die uh, to to myself, um, so that the life of Christ would be lived out. Because Christ, it's Christ's life through me that has that that is of value to the body of Christ, and only as that His life is being lived out through me is is the body of Christ built up and edified through through that ministry. So if you if you have your Bible, turn to Second Corinthians chapter four. I just wanted to look at that. Um because this is a passage that's been really uh central to my uh thinking and, and studying along these these lines in the last while, um and, and how I covered it in that series. Um Second Corinthians uh chapter four, um Paul is talking about um their ministry to to the Corinthians. Um, it's in the uh, the uh, sorry about him him and, and the others who ministered with him. Um, he's, no. he's starting in Which verse verse? five. Sorry, Which? yeah, starting in verse five. Okay, fine. Um, he says, "For for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord." That's the that's the one thing that Paul. You know, he determined to know one thing among them. That was it. Christ Jesus, and um, and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. That's the that's the concept of ministry. I'm just your bond servant, you know, for Jesus' sake. Um, for God, who said light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God uh, by the presence of Christ. Um, and then we go down to, to verse seven, and and this is where he starts to talk about. We, but we have this this treasure in earth and vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And then he goes through the the, the familiar um, list here. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed; perplexed, but not despairing; persecuted, but not forsaken; struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. So, and, and we could go on there and, and learn a little bit more, but that's the, the, the core part of that passage that I wanted to turn our attention to that, um, it was these, these circumstances of trial and suffering that, um, that were a, a dying, um, for, for Paul and his companions in their ministry so that the life of Christ himself would be, would be lived out. So it would be his work and not their work so that he would get the glory 
and there would be true and effectual service to the body. Um, and Miles, most of us need those trials uh, that we can't do anything but depend on on the Lord, and that's that's where we're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Hal, Hal said it. I, I, well, actually, this is a kind of a combination of some things that Hal said, but um, and something that Newell said. But um, through trials, we come to see our utter helplessness. Through trials, we come to see our utter helplessness and His total sufficiency. And, and I think that we've all experienced that to be true. It's it's in those trials where we recognize our helplessness. Um, in preparing uh, in Romans here for our Wednesday night Bible study, I, I, I that's why I say found this in, in Newell. He's talking about Abraham, and it and it and he says in there how Abraham looked at his own body and he's like he considered it dead, um, and yet God brought brought um, uh, life out of him and Sarah, so to speak, and 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 that's exactly what I, I think that in in a, in a um, Sort of a figure uh, uh, of what of what we're to is that to happen in us spiritually. We're to look at ourselves as we go through these trials, and we look at, wow, I really am dead. To you know, <laughs> um, I, and and we reckon ourselves dead to sin and, and alive to to God in Christ. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, one of the things that came to mind, Miles, when I was thinking about this this passage is um, in, in the trials and what Sue Ellen said about we need our needs. You know, it's kind of a term that we use quite often. Um, but right after that kind of thinking, uh, you know, because we're 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 going to face trials consistently, and some are bigger than others. But what do we have? And I think that verse seven tells us about something that we have that should come right after that recognition of I'm in a trial here, but what do I have? We have this treasure and we're earthen vessels and the earthen vessels speaks to the common man, the ministry that the common man can have, like you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So that, this, and, and we have that treasure for a reason. And that purpose is so that the surpassing greatness of the power of God comes out of this common vessel, out of this common man. So the, the trials produce a, it's, it produces a bankruptcy of self through the cross and a treasure that we possess as an earthen vessel. And, and so there is that recognition of I'm not, I'm not capable of, of walking through this particular mystery of whatever the Lord's placed before me. And that's a great place to start because you do by faith have to recognize what you have in, in terms of the treasure. And that treasure is the person of the Lord Jesus himself. And so, um, yeah. And and like you said, there's so much to to say about the rest of this verse, but Mm -hmm. so that death works in us, but life in you. And I think that's really where you're trying to kind of anchor our thoughts there. Death works in us, but life in you. That's the end result there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've come to kind of see it and think that that really is the heart of true ministry. I what he's so mm-hmm. Verse 12. So death works in us, but life in you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really think that is. And yet, you know, when we think of ministry in, in terms of the way it's often thought of within 
churchianity. Uh, you know, it's so often about the minister, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's completely the opposite of this, of what, of what Paul's talking about here. Yeah. It's like you said, complete polar opposite there. Who, yeah. who is going to, uh, boast in death working in me mm-hmm. so that life, so that you have life? I mean, it's just, that's Paul, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully it yeah. passes too. All of us. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and I think that's why, um, right out at, at the, uh, uh, as he transitions and talking about um, evangelism, um, he says the line, all that is needed is to be a broken vessel that the spirit of God may use us. And, and I just actually, when I read this, this chapter now a while ago and that, that really struck me because it was something that um, I had been coming to see um like I said, in part, I was beginning to listen through Hal's series, um, you know, but it's just in reading and stuff and, and some personal trials and so forth. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because Paul doesn't hear refer to it as a broken vessel. You know, he calls it an earthen vessel. And, and like, you, like you said, J.D., you know, common vessel. That's, that's the idea there. Um, so where does he get, you know, a broken vessel? That we need to be a, a broken vessel. And I suppose it comes from combining that thought with the um, verses uh, 8 and, and 9, that we are afflicted and perplexed and, and persecuted and, and so forth. Um, but uh, but I, I, I do really agree with, with the way Rido put that together and said that, you know, um, as, as a vessel, you know, we need to um, be we need to be broken Um so that the so that the life of Christ would be would be manifest through us. Well, we've we've got like five minutes, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on being broken. Okay. <laughs> what about my? <laughs> well, what does it mean to be broken? Yeah, it's a good we question. Talked a little, we talked about this a little bit um, when I first introduced this pa- or a similar passage on the earthen mm-hmm. vessel and. Is it a broken vessel? And the 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 idea there that Rideout continues to to share is that um, broken is not a, a self reflection of like I, I I've got to empty myself and I don't know maybe someone else can elaborate a little bit further on the thoughts there. But um, I had to ask myself the question: What does it mean to be broken? Right. Well, mm-hmm. what we're really talking about is a it's a mental exercise of faith that requires us to go back to the cross the resurrection side of the cross so that we can see the life that we now have and that is by faith so we our process of being broken is a process of faith whereby we recognize that we died we were co-crucified and not just that, but that we were given new resurrection life. So when we think about being broken, it's a process, it's a mental process by, of faith that takes, and I, I, I think the word mental might be a little confusing there because it is mental, but 
it's obviously led by the spirit, right? The the spirit's the one that convicts us of this need of brokenness. The spirit is the one who convinces us of our need. And he does that completely through the word of God. And so that brokenness is a place of openness, I sus- maybe uh, of faith. Like I'm God, what is it that I'm missing about this particular situation? But it's not so much just that. It's a matter of going back to the realization that I'm not capable of these things. Yeah. My, my, my abilities to speak or talk or share or play music in a certain way. Um, I cannot do that without recognizing that you are my life now. Mm-hmm. So the broken, the broken place is a wonderful place in the sense that it puts itself, yourself, in your place. And where do you belong? You belong at the cross. Mm-hmm. But Christ has a life that he is conforming you and transforming you and all of those activities that he's involved with and that the spirit is involved with to produce something that you could not produce on your own. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what we're after, right? We want mm-hmm. to be broken in that way because we want to see the light of the earthen vessel, you know, that's what we want to see. So, yeah, that's a lot of thoughts there, but, um, I, I, that broken concept is, it's a wonderful place because it puts yourself in its place at the cross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the word broken, you know, how, how that may be used or understood in, in kind of popular, um, well, it, it, it's understood as you've got, it, it's a basically a self-inflicted, like I'm, it's a, it's a mental process of I'm weak. I'm not capable. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas that's not the point. It's not right. the incapable part or the, yeah. I've been through so much that I'm at a broken place. It's right. Right. So, and it's more of death working in us and life in you. And, uh, and that's a very powerful place, turns yes. out. It's yeah. not a, it's not a, maybe there's humility, there's a, there's a sense of humility there, and not to miss out on the fact that that might be a, a feeling that accompanies that whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the question in my mind always goes back to where am I going when I run in, you know, potentially to the end of myself or whatever? How, how do, how do I, align myself back with the life that I now possess in Christ. And so that's the spirit's yeah. job to draw us into that, that conversation with himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I really agree. I, I, I think, I think that that is, yeah, the, 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 to be broken, the kind of the kind of the way I, I tried to say, you know, is to, to, to recognize, you know, our, our utter helplessness, you know? Um, and, and yet, at the, at the same time, his total sufficiency. You know, it's not that we stopped there in our our utter helplessness. You know, like a um, like a useless, broken, quivering, you know, pile of jelly. That's no, such a key point. <laughs> recognizing the sufficiency mm-hmm. is a big part of, of of that process for sure. Yeah, it's the two sides of the same coin. You can't, yeah. we don't stop at our utter helplessness, but we, it's, it's part of the recognizing his, it's, it's, it's dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. You know, they, the, the I life. was 
I was going to say one thing uh, that I think of when I think of brokenness, I think of exactly that verse you were quoting, Miles, uh, mm-hmm. Romans Romans six eleven, where we're considering ourselves reckoning reckoning ourselves dead to sin and alive yep. to God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, which really has nothing to do with me doing anything. <laughs> he did mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. You know, it's interesting if you look down in Second Corinthians four where we're at. I know we got to close here, but um, you know, he says. He's, he, he's actually talking about physical distresses. Starting in verse 16, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. You know, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. And that glory is Christ's glory, right? Um, but he, he is talking about these, these, like his, you know, his physical body being destroyed, you know, for lack of a better word, you know. Um, and, 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 and so these, these afflictions, these trials, um, they they are um, they do they they show us our they show us our insufficiency, they show us our weakness, our helplessness to in order to bring us to greater dependence on Him, so that He will be glorified. That's the that's the the heart of it. So so that, that hopefully we we yeah hopefully we're able to kind of understand it a little bit more in in uh, connection with with service with ministry in the, in the body of Christ. Um, that, really, that was really good. Uh, there's so many verses, Alan, that I, I, I think about when it comes to Romans 6.11. It's, that's such a huge one. But, golly, this whole chapter of, of 2 Corinthians 4 is just mm-hmm. riddled with the kinds of truths that, that punch at the, the topics we've been talking about today. It's manifested yeah. in our mortal flesh. I, I mean, Paul is just so mm-hmm. rich there. Um, yeah, and death death precedes it all, and like you said, Alan, it's not. There's really nothing to do there. <laughs> no, but be, behold, it is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, the reckoning mm-hmm. is a conclusion based on what God's already done. Oh, that's it's good. That, after we know what He's done, then we reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't really you can't reckon yourself dead without at the same time. Reckoning on what he has, what he has done, the life that he, you know, um, to, to, to properly understand that, properly apply that. But well, I really, really appreciate all the, um, the, so we basically got through a review. <laughs> I didn't get off to question one at the end there about, uh, where he talks about the gospel, but, uh, I'm not even sure what the plan is for next week. So we'll, um, I, I know Mike had given me less than 35. I know they're going to be back. I've, I kind of fin- ended up finishing off, uh, almost finishing 34, but we'll see. We'll get that figured out. But I'll close in prayer here and then. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had this morning to uh, discuss a, a little bit uh, more, to uh, gain a little more clarity on what it is that you are doing through your Holy Spirit in um, in your church, in the lives of believers, um, in order to uh, to cause the, the the building up of the body of Christ, um, and uh, Lord, we, we thank you that you do that. You do the preparatory work because it's you who knows what you are preparing us for. You you take us through specific uh, trials that are necessary for us um, to uh, to go through in order to uh, carry out the specific service that you have to do through us. In the lives of others, we, we just thank you for that. Thank you that you are uh, so perfectly and, and masterfully um, orchestrating and, and working all of that out in each one of our lives. 
Lord, we, uh, we just pray that, uh, um, we, we thank you that you continue to, to do that work in each one of our lives. And we just, uh, uh, give you glory for, for that work that you're doing. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen.